welcome to the next edition of the What's in the Cup podcast. It's a rainy Friday afternoon here in America, but uh, I guess we needed a little bit of rain. I'm just hoping that the rain somehow stops before it gets to Augusta. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching the golf tournament this weekend. Uh, it actually works out pretty good if it rains where I am and sitting on the couch watching golf all day isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, if it's really pretty and I'm sitting on the couch watching golf, I feel guilty. So if it, uh, if it could rain here and be beautiful in Augusta, that would be ideal. Probably not the case, but uh, it's always a fun week when the Masters is on. And it's always a nice day here in America. It's raining or shining. It's a great day at Georgia Southwestern. So uh, we're going to have a chance to talk about Georgia Southwestern, what's going on. And uh, always excited to have uh, great guests with us. And again, we have that today with uh, Travis Crafter, the coordinator of student rights and responsibilities. Uh, welcome to the podcast and to the president's office. I greatly appreciate being a guest on the podcast. So hopefully I can bring a little knowledge, bring a little understanding and have a good, just a great conversation. We're going to have a good time. As you, I know you're in charge of a lot of things. I just want to make sure we all understand. I was not aware that students had any rights. So amazing, amazing. They have some rights. Oh my goodness. Even at the university. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do have some rights and they have some responsibilities, mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, uh, you get you get to see our students in some of their more vulnerable times i would assume i do um as part of office student rights and responsibility um, i always tell students so they look at me more or less as the principal and so i'm not really the principal i guess i'll be close to what i do but not all all of what i do um so i get to talk with them just about if they're having challenges at any level at the university if it's mental health challenges if it's academic challenges if it's just social challenges or inability to be able to communicate or work out conflict. I talk on many on many topics in many different ways. And so as a part of student rights, of course, I do get to see a student sometimes at the most vulnerable. And sometimes I get to see them in other ways too. Sometimes helping encourage them or inspire them. Um, we get to be a part of initiatives here on campus. And so sometimes it's getting to inspire change and encourage change and kind of be an advocate on their part. And so I get to see students in many capacities. Yeah. I think when I'm seeing them in a more vulnerable capacity, it's the opportunity for growth and development. And that's what I love about being a part of student rights. It's not about punishment, it's about growth and development. It's about education. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that the name is what it is because we used to call these, your office, uh, the discipline, mm -hmm. student discipline. And uh, it's more than discipline. It and and, it's, and as, as you say, it's, it's about opportunity and about mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes changing behavior, but uh, there's a positive way to do that mm -hmm. as well. So now you're relatively new to Georgia Southwestern, right? I Less am. than a year? Less than a year. I started October. So okay. I still claim that I'm still a new employee. I don't know how long I have to be able to claim <laughs> that, but I'm sticking with it <laughs> until somebody tells me differently. That's right. I think you're, you're always a new employee until somebody newer comes along. <laughs> And, uh, and then that goes away. But we're, we're certainly glad you're here and your, your route to uh, Georgia Southwestern has been through a couple of other uh, universities and, mm -hmm. uh, and some work in the private sector too, yes. right? Um, so I've attended Georgia State University, which I always celebrate. I've always been a Panther to the core of me. Um, I also attended um, University of Central Florida in Orlando. 
Um, and then I've worked as a mental health professional for many years. And so I've had the opportunity to work with veterans. I've had opportunity to work in jails. I've had opportunity to work in um, community mental health. And so I've worked with, I tell people with different diverse populations. I always joke with people and say, if you can shock me, I truly will be shocked because I've heard it all in different situations and different circumstances. And so I've talked with youth to elderly population. So that's not much that can kind of shock me. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we're certainly glad that you're here. And I hope you're glad you're here. I've always told people that this working on a college campus is the greatest place in the world to work. And uh, I would assuming compared to hospitals and prisons, uh, you might agree that this is this is a little bit better deal. <laughs> I definitely do agree. It has a different feel to it, definitely. Um, a lot more freedom, and I can go in and out a lot smoother than That's I could right. in, in jails. And so it feels good to be able to walk out my office and not have to get permission to leave my space. So that's that's a plus for that's, sure. That's good. that's the baseline for a good job is if you can go in and out of your office without permission. Well, we're glad you're here. We're going to have a chance to talk more about uh, not only what you do in uh, the Office of Student Rights and Responsibilities, but also we're going to talk about care at GSW because I know you're involved with uh, this new initiative mm -hmm. to help students. And so we're going to get to that uh, in just a minute. But we uh, like to get started every week with uh, some discussion around student success, uh, enrollment, and our ability to help students be successful. And so uh, the good news is graduation is coming up on May the 15th. We're having two ceremonies, 10 o'clock and two o'clock. The reason I mention this, because this is the ultimate goal and where we celebrate and are excited uh, for all of our students who reach the graduation uh, day and we want to celebrate with them. So students, you, if you are planning to graduate, I certainly hope you've already applied for graduation and I certainly encourage you uh, to do that if you hadn't wrapped that up quickly. And uh, right now, the way that we are planning our ceremonies is we are going to um, not use tickets. We're going to allow students to bring their families. Uh, we're going to ask people to be obviously respectful and mindful of the pandemic and, and the concern that we need to have for others. We're going to ask them to wear masks inside the facility, uh, both our, our students and their guests. Uh, but we're not going to limit uh, the, the audience. And so uh, we hope that folks that are comfortable coming and, and will come and celebrate and those who are concerned about their either safety or their vulnerability uh, will choose uh, to, to watch the uh, ceremony virtually, which we will also make available. But we're excited to be able to have this ceremony a, a little bit more normal than we have the last several times. And it's such a great celebration for students to see uh, them and their families together, and we just hate to take that away. So I think we're going to have a great day on uh, May the 15th. I'm sure you remember your graduation day. I do. I had a couple of them. I remember them all. They're, they're always special moments to be able to look back at what, what you accomplished mm -hmm. as well as to look forward to what you're planning on doing. And so I can look back now and say, oh, I remember when I was thinking about doing what I'm doing now, and now I'm actually doing, doing it. it. Yeah, that's always a good thing. Uh, as we look ahead, summer enrollment is looking very positive. We're up 15.4% from this time uh, last year. Uh, obviously, that number can uh, fluctuate up or down, depending. I always know that summer depends a lot on how students finish up the spring semester. Uh, there might be some students who enrolled in a class in the summer thinking, 
I'm not doing so well in my class right now in the spring and then they do better than they thought and so they might drop the class in the summer and then of course there's those students who um, don't perform quite as well as they had thought and realize oh my goodness I need a class or two in the summer so uh, that's kind of the way it works but the numbers look good our graduate program is up 41.4 percent against this time last year our undergraduate program is up 3.4 percent so we want to encourage uh, those students who need to get enrolled to go ahead and, and uh, move forward with that and, and obviously we want to encourage our faculty who are teaching in the summer to make sure they uh, provide the support and help that our students need to get enrolled in those classes. Fall enrollment is open and students who are wanting to enroll for their fall classes can now do so. I think it's been open long enough that pretty much anybody's eligible to enroll. So make sure you see your advisor and uh, get those classes uh, signed up. We uh, just institutionally, uh, as we look to our fall enrollment, uh, as we, you know, indicators along the way, uh, one of the indicators is the number of applications we receive and the number of accepted applications that we receive. And uh, this year, the number of applications did not increase as much as uh, we anticipated or as, as much as we've seen in the last couple of years. And a lot of this, we think, has to do with the COVID uh, issue. And we, can, we, did not, we were not able to get our uh, admissions folks, our recruiters, out on the road. No college fairs. Uh, no uh, school visits. Uh, so as a, as a small school uh, in Southwest Georgia, a lot of the potential students around the Atlanta area have never heard of us. Uh, and, and so without those opportunities to share who we are, get our name out there, we've seen a pretty dramatic decline of applications from the Atlanta metropolitan area, but our local applications have stayed uh, pretty solid. So we need, uh, again, to, to be focused on helping these students get in and uh, get their fall classes. And, and uh, we want to obviously continue to grow at, at, a, at a positive rate here at the university. So uh, retention numbers are uh, a little bit better than I think we anticipated with COVID. Uh, students, some students dropped out, some students discontinued. Uh, they didn't like the, the virtual format, uh, hybrid format. You probably talked to some of the students who struggled as uh, the things changed. And so uh, reaching out to those students, getting them to come back will be really important as well. You, you never had to take a class uh, in a hybrid uh, virtual format, did you? I have not. That's something completely new to me. And so I'm yeah. trying, definitely attempting to sympathize with students that are taking classes in that format and kind of coming to an understanding of what that really means. I know looking at it generationally, we think, oh, well, this generation, they're always online, but for them, they're always online in certain ways. And I think doing a hybrid where you're kind of forced and to take on new information is difficult and it's challenging. Yeah. And so we're definitely adjusting and we're providing resources and I'm getting to have some good conversation and dialogue. And I can definitely assure you that we at GSW are taking that consideration and providing you with resources to help you manage that. So yeah. give us an opportunity. You know, one of the things that I've found interesting, and maybe it's just me, but I, I would assume I'm similar to other people. When you watch, when you watch something on television, so say, you know, oftentimes I'll have my iPad or my phone with me and I'll watch the show and then I'll, you know, do something on my phone while the show's going on. And I can kind of, you know, it's a television show. I'm not all that interested, but you can kind of keep up, right? If it's a game or something, you can check back in on the score or whatever. And, and so we've 
taught ourselves, mm -hmm. taught our brains to pay attention to something on the screen for a few minutes and then do something else. And then, you know, then go back and look at the screen again. And, and then when, so we, so you'd go to a virtual class where you're supposed to be watching the screen mm -hmm. intensely, intently, intensely, whatever the word is, you're supposed to be, have your attention on the screen for a long period of time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, a, a lecture might be 20, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. We've conditioned ourselves not to pay attention to a screen for that long. And so the tendency for students to watch a little and then maybe pull their phone out, maybe do something else, uh, tweet, TikTok, whatever it is that they want to do, um, I think has made the transition difficult because in, in a classroom, when you sit in a classroom, you know, you put your stuff away and you listen mm -hmm. and you take notes. Uh, but because it's on a screen, I think our brains kind of treat it differently. So uh, I can see why a student would struggle yeah. and, and, and this change would be a difficult change for them. Yeah, I think you speak to something particularly important is environment. Our brain shifts based on the environment we're in. I remember being in school, and so you have the sounds of the classroom, you have the noises, the different nuances, and so it, your brain is trained to focus based on environment. And I'm asking you to focus in a bedroom, yeah. where yeah. that's the environment for sleeping, playing video games, that's doing right. other activities, or I'm asking you to focus in environments that really your brain says, this is an environment for this. I don't understand why we're mm -hmm. sitting here looking at a screen. Yeah. We're supposed to be doing all these wealth of other things. Um, we tell students for years, try to put yourself in a space that really is conducive for studying and focusing and a lot of times home isn't for that is, is it's, that it's for interaction is for spending time with family and friends is doing other things and so place and environment matters and i think students are missing that and that's something that adjusting in a hybrid format you get some interaction with teachers some interaction with peers but that environment makes a big difference yeah. and so with some of my conversations that's what we're discussing is yeah i can play my video game in my room all day and it seems like i'm focusing but like you said i'm playing my video game i'm interacting with friends i'm talking through my headset i'm on the phone and so i don't really have to focus right. the entire time and the environment it really isn't conducive for me focusing compared to you asking me to listen and take in new material and hear a teacher talking about a particular subject for an extended period of time. Yeah. That environment really isn't supportive for that. And so it, it has been a challenge. And I yeah. imagine it will continue to be a challenge for students because, like you said, our brain adjusts to environments, right. just the people. That's right. And and that's the good news is we're, we're coming back to <laughs> the are. fall. Uh, we expect to be in the classroom. We're going to I, I say this tongue in cheek, but we're going to cram pack all those desks back into the room and we're going to have all the students in there and the mm -hmm. faculty members going to be in there. And, uh, you know, we'll be back to what we consider normal size classrooms that, that, you know, every day you go to class, you sit in the class, you do all the activities, you go to lab, you have your lab partners, you have your classroom. So fall should be much, much better. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, bring some of those students back who did struggle with that environment and, and remind them that, look, your inability to, to do well in a virtual environment doesn't mean you can't do well in higher education when it's done the way that it should be done and the way that you're comfortable with. So we want to reach out to those students and make sure uh, they have a chance to be successful. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to uh, mention, uh, right? I've had a lot of questions about whether or not GSW would require a vaccine uh, for the fall semester. And right now we are not requiring a vaccine. The University System of Georgia, uh, we are uh, looking at reopening uh, the fall um, reopening plans. And I know there's a, a, a 
committee of presidents that are getting together and talking about some of these things. Um, I don't anticipate that that will be the outcome. It hasn't been a, a hot topic of discussion amongst uh, the presidents as we talk weekly about how things are going. Uh, so I don't think that will be the case, but um, I, I don't want to say for sure. I just know that now, right now we're not, uh, and I don't anticipate that it will be uh, one of those things. Uh, the other, uh, just, I, I got this information the other day when I was putting together the weekly COVID report, and I found it interesting. Uh, yesterday, I, or earlier today or today, yesterday I saw a, a news story that said uh, one out of five adults in the United States was vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So that's 20%. Um, here in Georgia, we have about 28% of our uh, population has received their first dose. 15% are fully vaccinated. So we're a little below the national number. 31% of females uh, are have completed and uh, 24% of males have their first dose. So uh, a little higher percentage of females than males. Uh, but as you look at the age categories, 55 to 64, it's about 46%. 65 to 74, 80%, 75 to 84, 93%. So it's very clearly a, uh, uh, based on age, uh, and, and that's the way they rolled the, the vaccine out. So. Uh, so when you see these numbers and hear these numbers, I think it's you, you got to kind of dig in a little deeper. Uh, one in five sounds OK. Uh, but of course, if it's, you know, some of these some people in our communities are less than 16 years old and they can't get vaccinated. We don't even have haven't proved that you can vaccinate uh, them. So uh, so anyway, I, I you know, I find these numbers interesting. I try to share them each week with everybody. Uh, but I, I want to kind of make sure people understand that you got to you got to really think about it and look into it and um, uh, make sure you understand what's going on. I did see a note uh, today that uh, in Vermont, Vermont colleges are not allowing out of state students to get vaccinated. And uh, the governor, somebody said that they thought it was best that they they used the vaccine for Vermont residents. And I thought this is this is the this is COVID mentality, right? These are young people going to your colleges around your people. Why wouldn't you want them to be vaccinated? So you're telling them they have to go home to get vaccinated? I mean, and and the the fact that Vermont would say these are our vaccines they're not available to non-Vermonters i mean this 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 kind of thinking is really fascinating to me and uh, you you've taken a lot of psychology <laughs> classes i mean this whole thing has been really fascinating to watch how people react uh, i mean we're vaccinating out of state heck we're we're vaccinating out of country People. We've got our international students are getting the vaccination because if they're going to be a part of our community, uh, why wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. So anyway. And that's the interesting thing is who do you consider part of your community? <laughs> and I think that's where it gets kind of tricky because when I think of college students, I'm thinking already income wise, you're in college. <laughs> so financially, they have to leave that state to travel to another state 
to get vaccinated and then have to come back and continue your studies, that's a little bit of a stretch for a college student who's probably not at income level to be able to make that decision. And then I know here, everybody's a part of our community. If you attend this college and institution, you become a part of that community. And so if you're choosing to go to that state and that institution, you're a part of that community. So I find it fascinating how how we categorize who's a part of our community or when they're a part of our community because as an institution, if you're a student there, you represent that that institution. And so if they do something great, you're a part of that community. But when it's time to take care of your health concerns. Yeah. And then they get, then they drop the, you know, the politicians like to say, that's the, the colleges are super spreaders and we can't have, well, okay. So let's solve the problems. Give them all vaccinated. Oh, no, 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 no. Not, not some of them. Some of them don't care. I mean, it's just crazy. It, it's, we can go on and on and on about the hypocrisy and the uh, incongruence of some of the ideas and discussion around COVID. I just found that to be fascinating and thought I'd mention it. But uh, I, just, I, I say all that to say that uh, Kimberly Hart and Terry Maxwell uh, over in our Student Health Center have done an unbelievable job. They've given over 300 uh, vaccination shots uh, in the last uh, three weeks, I think, and they'll be back um, starting next week, I think, uh, giving dose number two to everybody who uh, has gone through, uh, just doing a great job for the university and, and uh, can't say enough that how much we appreciate their work. And so, all right, Travis, let's talk about uh, care at GSW. Tell me what this is and what you're, what you're doing and how students can uh, take advantage of this new program. So speaking of community, um, what we're doing now is creating, we kind of listen to the student voice here, and we're trying to build a community of care here at at GSW. Um, When I say a community of care, it sounds very broad and big, but essentially what it is, in simplest terms, is looking out for each other building relationships with each other, getting individuals connected to resources. When we look at that responsibility, it's all of our shared responsibility to assist each other. And so what we're trying to do is educate individuals on the different resources we have on campus. We're also trying to empower them to step up for each other. And so we want student to student to, if you see a student having some concern or some need to kind of sit with them and help support them by helping them define the resource. We're not telling you you have to know everything, we're just saying, be there for somebody, look out for them, um, get them connected to the right individuals. Um, and some of those right individuals are here. You just may not know they're available or you may not know their office or you may not even know that it is a resource here on campus. Right. And so my job in the Office of Student Rights and Responsibility is to educate individuals on those resources or to connect them with other parties on campus. And so as a part of the CARE initiative, it is to provide opportunity for each and every member of the university to create this culture of care. So who's a part of the care team? Everybody that's listening, everybody that attends the university. If you're faculty, staff, student, you are a part of our care movement. Um, This movement goes beyond what we're focusing on right now. Right now we're focusing on mental health because that is really a crucial issue. We're seeing an increase in diagnoses. We see an increase in depression, anxiety, and issues. And that's pretty much a trend because of COVID. Um, I think the isolation, I think um, just dealing and managing with emotions and feelings that people have left unresolved is now coming up. And so now we're having to address those things. And so there's several resources that we offer now. I think people already know our standard resources of our counseling center. 
Um, here we have a great counseling service that you can utilize on campus. If you don't want to particularly use that um, resource, we have several other resources on campus. Um, the one thing I love about what we're doing right now is that you're never alone. And I keep emphasizing that because we have 24-7 hotlines. We don't have just one. We have multiple 24-7 hotlines. We have Talkspace, and that's a number that you can just call a counselor either through video chatting, either through text messaging. You can leave a voicemail and they can leave you a voicemail and you can go back and forth through voicemail or you can just text if you feel more comfortable. And that's available to all students, all staff. Um, now we've even added a service with Christie Campus and that's a 24-7 support line. Um, they do risk, risk assessments on students. They provide you with link and connection to other mental health services. And if you just need to talk about issues, that's now available. So you are never alone. And we want to emphasize that because some students feel isolated. And right. If you're up three o'clock in the morning and feel like something's going on, you have somebody to talk, talk to. to yeah. um, we have protocol, which is another counseling service we offer to students after hours. So if our counseling service is closed, you can contact protocol through the counseling number. And that gets you connected to a individual and they provide you crisis intervention. They can provide you with some individual counseling and then they'll follow up and get you connected with the resource on campus. Um, just to kind of speak a little bit more about Christie Campus, because we're partnering with the state, we're partnering with the federal government just to be able to offer you different services. And so what people may not know about Christie Campus is that we also have psychiatric services offered through that. And so you can contact an MD or a APRN and they actually can prescribe you medication virtually. Mm. Um, you get connected with a psychiatrist or get connected with a psychiatric evaluation. So that's a service we offer. We have what is called a wellness hub. And so let's say you don't want to really want to talk to anyone, but you want to take um, control of your mental health and get knowledge or education. The Wellness Hub through our um, Christie Campus partnership, it offers you access to videos, written content and self-assessments. And so if you want to get to know yourself a little bit without having some medicine <laughs> involved, go to the Wellness Hub. Very good. Um, if you want more knowledge and education on tools of how to manage mental health, we have what's called iCare, ICBT. All these acronyms, you have to learn them and yeah. deal with them. So I'm learning them as we go along. But that's um, an eight session completed on students' own schedule. So you can complete eight sessions of cognitive behavioral training. And so it just helps you teach you tools, ways to behave, way to deal with um, mental health issues and things of that nature. And then we have several other um, treatment options that are available to students. Um, we have face-to-face -face counseling, Christy Campus. If you want to receive a service outside of our campus, They'll get you connected with a provider outside of campus. And so we're really pushing this because we want students to know you are not alone. There are resources available. And when we think about care at GSW, I don't want you to think about it just in the lens of mental health. Cause it extends way beyond that. Yeah. We're going to talk about academic issues. We're going to talk about just um, student relationships. We're going to talk about safety. We're partnering with everybody on campus. And so we'll hit on a lot of different topics. It's not just one initiative, but it's a movement that we're creating on campus. And I'm excited to really be a part of this movement because for me, taking care of yourself is the first thing or first key to being successful. And so we're encouraging everybody to take care of themselves and also to take care of others. And yeah. So it's a pretty big movement. It is a big movement. There's a lot going on there and a lot to unpack in, in all that, that you said. But I think one of the things that I found most interesting about this was, you know, as a university, any university, you have a limited number of counselors available. Mm -hmm. And if a student doesn't feel comfortable mm -hmm. with a particular counselor, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. uh, if, if there's no other counselors available, they, they oftentimes go without yes. support. And so through these services, students will have the opportunity to kind of um, 
I won't say interview, but they, they can put in who, what kind of a counselor am I looking for? Mm -hmm. Somebody that can help me with these topics, somebody that looks like this, somebody that talks like this, you know, if you want a specific gender, if you, you know, whatever it is, uh, they have a counselor mm -hmm. for you. And so, uh, you don't, you know, it, you can, you can really find somebody that makes you feel comfortable mm -hmm. and allows you to get this, the help you need. And I think that's a, a really important component of this uh, yeah. to to not be afraid to reach out yeah, that's definitely true um when i was operating more as a counselor than i am now um that's one thing i used to tell people finding a counselor is like finding a fast food restaurant some people love mcdonald's some people love burger king some people love wendy's um just depending upon your preference and so sometimes you do have to kind of shop around to find the one that fits you just based mm -hmm. off their approach their style or just what's comfortable for you yeah. the counseling is supposed to be very intimate and so you're supposed to find someone that w can work with you that you feel comfortable with sharing and opening up with and so that's something that we're offering right now, the ability yeah. to be able to tap into those different resources and guidance in it. If you're confused about it all, just stop by the Office of Student Rights and Responsibility. I will explain it to you. I will give you the resources, the numbers, the contact information. And so it is available. And and the other thing that I think is important is when, when you have a limited uh, counseling center, mm -hmm. the, the things that make it in the door are the critical things. Yes. And the students who might have a little test anxiety or, uh, you know, are struggling with their boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, whatever that is, uh, th they don't make it in the door. They don't, you know, there's not enough hours in the day to get to everybody. And so sometimes these little things uh, get left. And through these kind of services, uh, really people can address some of those things that don't need a, know, I'm no expert, but I'm, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that aren't critical, that aren't massive, but you know, you're having a, you're, you got to make a presentation in class and you need to talk through it with somebody to make sure that, that you got it organized and you're ready to go into class and you can feel comfortable doing this. That, that's not, uh, that's not a negative. That's a positive. That's a, that's a way to help you get ready. But oftentimes we haven't been able to offer that and now yeah. we can't. Yeah, those services are definitely span to be able to do that for individuals. Like I said, you can call at three o'clock in the morning if you're prepping for that test and talk on Talkspace or utilize the 24-7 um, support line through Christian campus and be able to talk to the individual, help them to help calm you down and be able to kind of move forward. And you may not have to seek additional services okay. or they may get you connected with the on-campus services or another service. And so being able to recognize your need and being able to address that need is a big deal because that has not always been the case historically. And as you said, dealing with those major crisis issues compared to other day-to-day -day life issues, Day-to-day -day life issues become crises if not dealt if with. Not dealt and with. So if, you, if you're more preventative, if you're looking out for your well-being in the beginning, then that kind of helps us to help manage certain other issues that are going on as well as help you not build up to a bigger point. Something that I've done in my previous practice, I always tell people, small things stay with you because you don't recognize them, you don't pay attention to them as much. And then those small things turn into bigger things as they compound on each other. And then... Later on in life, you're sitting out having a conversation and saying, well, how did I get here? <laughs> well, you got there to that one moment that you didn't reach out yeah. when you really needed help or assistance. And that became a pattern of behavior that throughout the rest of your life, you're engaging in that same pattern of behavior. So if you can learn to reach out early on and reach out during those issues that may not seem big or major and, reach and get that help, then you pretty much can determine the outcome of your life just by seeking help. Right. And so we're encouraging people to seek help. Yeah. And and this is this is the kind of service, you know, now that we have the the, the FaceTimes and the 
chat availability. Yes. These are things you can take with you for the rest of your life. You know, if you know, like I said, if you know how to uh, reach out and say, hey, I got a big presentation coming up at work this week and I just, I just need somebody to kind of, you know, help me with my anxiety or whatever. Well, that doesn't stop in college. That keeps going. And, and if you know how to use these services, uh, it can be incredibly valuable uh, to you, to your family. You know, my, you know, as people get married, as they start to have families, there's pressure, there's, uh, you know, there's anxiety, there's concern, fear, uh, all those things. And so the more that we as a society learn how to use these resources, you don't have, you don't anymore have to call and make an appointment and get in your car and drive five miles to go to somebody's office and wait 30 minutes to get into the door, right? I mean, th now these things are available to us and the more we learn how to use them, um, it, it should help across a, a large spectrum of our lives, not just in those crisis moments. So it's really interesting and, and uh, man, I'm glad we're bringing it to campus and yes. glad that uh, you're you're trying to pull all this together. It's a lot of stuff, right? It is. And uh, it's a, and like, as you say, we're all part of the, the care team, team right? Mm -hmm. And we need to, when you start thinking about it that way. Now, I'm aware that there's also a way to win a $50 prize. Is that yes, there is. Tell me about, so, I want to win $50. I would love for individuals <laughs> to win $50. And so there's an Amazon gift card. Um, and there, there's going to be repeated one of these. And all you have to do is read an article and do a brief survey. And so care team is sending out emails throughout the week. And we're going to be sending them out multiple emails throughout different weeks. Just look for those emails. Click on those links, read those articles, and then just do the surveys at the end of it. So just to give you a feel of the type of articles um, that we're sending out, one is about how to dress under $50. So as a college student, $50 is a large amount of money. And so if you can figure out how to dress under $50, yep. I think that'll be pretty impactful for your um, college career and your just future as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so we're sending out ways to eat, ways to study, ways to do different things. And so it covers different areas of life. So all you have to do is read an article. I know reading... After reading for your courses and studying for finals, doesn't sound fun, but I think some of the articles are interesting. And if you read them and then do a brief survey, you enter a prize to win a $50 Amazon gift card. You can buy whatever you want with the $50 Amazon gift card. It doesn't have to be textbooks. It doesn't have to be any type of items. It could be video games if you want. Nice. Um, if you're like me, it probably would be a book. Uh, I'm a book fanatic. <laughs> well, very good. I think everybody should, should get involved. Uh, anytime you can win 50 bucks, it's worth doing. And uh, we appreciate you pulling that together. Speaking of surveys, uh, Ann Jacobs sent out a, a survey to faculty uh, earlier this week uh, about high impact practices in, uh, in your classes. And so that survey is uh, needing to be completed by next Friday. So I hope that uh, folks that are, that are experimenting and using high impact practices will uh, answer those, those questions. Uh, Ann is leading a, uh, a committee on looking into high impact practices. So I uh, want to mention that. Uh, we also uh, had a chance yesterday on our uh, virtual town hall to talk, uh, Dr. Smith talked uh, a little bit about our momentum approach and, and the TILT program that we will be launching uh, this uh, summer, Transparency in Learning and Teaching. We're looking for some faculty members to uh, get involved with some summer development opportunities to uh, start to use and implement the TILT approach to their courses. It's really uh, focused on academic mindset, helping students understand why they're taking this course, uh, what the expectation is, how they will use this information. Uh, very important, uh, particularly in some of the general education courses that may not uh, 
students may not to be able to directly connect and link this course to their uh, major, uh, but all of the, as we know, all of these courses build on one another and build together to create uh, the kind of person and the kind of thinking that, that we need people to have. And so being able to communicate that is, is an important part. And so we want to make sure that uh, we, we start to do these things and tilt is a really neat way to do that. So I encourage fo- folks, to, faculty members in particular, if you're interested in participating, uh, that you get in touch with Dr. Smith um, to kind of get that rolling. And um, Judy Orton Grissett also is uh, available to help you with that. And just a note, uh, earlier today, the Faculty Senate approved the Associate of Science degree in nursing, which we're very excited about. Uh, bringing to campus. This will go to the Board of Regents for approval at the May meeting. And uh, with approval there, we will then uh, go to the State Board of Nursing and uh, start to develop that program and and bring it to campus. And we think certainly in the next year, we will be able to bring that program to campus, which we think is uh, certainly valuable to us as an institution. But I can uh, assure you that our local health care providers, uh, Phoebe, Uh, Magnolia Manor uh, and and other regional hospitals have been uh, adamant that they need us to be doing this program as they are spending millions of dollars on what they call travel nurses because they just can't fill the nursing slots they have available. I think Phoebe told me the other day they are spending an additional $25 million a year on nurses because they have to pay them more as travel nurses if they could fill all those slots with local nurses at their normal rate of pay, it'd save them $25 million. So if you wonder why healthcare costs are so high, uh, here's reason number one. Um, all right, uh, one, one other uh, item I wanted to make sure everybody uh, was aware of, student government elections uh, begin next week. So I think there's four students running for president. And I think that's the only office that is, uh, has, has a competition. Uh, so students that are interested can uh, vote for the next student government president beginning next week. So I bring that to your attention and hope that you will participate. And then uh, my final comment. Uh, we, next week on Tuesday, Board of Regents meets. And we expect that they will release our state allocation to us, uh, the, the Georgia legislature uh, approved the budget. And uh, last year, coming into fiscal year 21, $240 million was cut from the higher education budget. Uh, basically a 10% cut. Uh, it was across the board. Every institution took a 10% cut. In the legislative session this year, $120 million was put back into higher education's budget. So about a 50% uh, recovery. Uh, unfortunately, the money doesn't go back in the same way that it came out, right? All institutions took a 10% cut, but uh, when the money comes back in, it runs through the uh, enrollment growth formula. So uh, while we lost about $2 million, uh, of the first round of, of funding coming back in, we, we received uh, $290,000. So uh, you can see that the the outflow is much greater than the inflow, which uh, is uh, interesting and frustrating all at the same time. 
but Tuesday we'll get our number for next year. Uh, we can using experience and, and a, a little bit of crude math, we can kind of figure out where we think we'll be. Uh, we've got it narrowed down to about a half a million dollars. Uh, it could be negative 100,000. It could be positive 300,000, uh, but it's going to be somewhere in that range. And so uh, it'll be very interesting to see where we land on Tuesday. And then, of course, we'll have about three weeks to turn our budget back in to the Board of Regents. So uh, I want people on campus to know that that will be happening over the next week. Uh, and, and we are uh, using, hopefully, the, the, the increase in state funding along with the uh, higher education emergency relief funds, which are starting to flow from the federal government uh, to try and uh, recover some of our lost revenue from the past year and uh, hopefully uh, bring back some of the services that uh, we had to cut uh, so quickly and so dramatically last year. But we'll have more information on the budget uh, starting next week and, and we'll be able to talk through some of that. But just wanted everybody to kind of get a sense of where we are. Travis, we appreciate you coming in today and spending some time with us. Uh, sounds like you got a lot going on and uh and your your scope is a lot broader than just discipline right nobody should just think that you're just here uh to deal with the students that get in trouble uh that's a small part of it and uh, we certainly appreciate that you work with them uh but there's so much more uh, to what's going on and we appreciate what you are bringing to the campus and i hope everyone will uh, spend some time getting to know uh, travis and getting to know the care at GSW and, and uh, understand they are a part of the care team, right? We are. You're, you are, we are, and we're moving forward with that. And so I'm looking forward to meeting each and every one of you all and stopping by my office right now. I have an open door policy. So if you stop by and just say, hey, we can say, hey, if you want to talk about something, we can talk about something. So just stop by and say, hey. Terrific. Thank you, Travis. We appreciate it very much, Bob. Another, another good week. And I look outside and it stopped raining for the moment. So obviously... Uh, we've done a good job here. We've outlasted the rain. So I uh, hope everybody has a, a great weekend and we will be back next week. <laughs>